And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't yet, check out our weekly email where we're sharing actionable web and marketing tips, useful podcasts, free guides, bonus resources, and much, much more each and every Monday. So you can start your week off with a bang. Sign up over at businessgrowth.email. Joining us today, we've got Oliver Duffy Lee, the founder over at Authority Health Agencies that are stuck under 20K a month, scale to 50K plus. Oliver, welcome to the show. How are you doing, sir? Hey, Sam. Uh, I'm really, really good, my friend. Really, really pleased to be here. Good, man. Looking forward to it. So we're going to be chatting about a rather controversial topic, hmm. how you can sell without sending the proposals. So... Straight and straight away, Oliver. Let's jump into it. Why why don't people need to send proposals to close and win deals in business? Um, yeah, it's a great question. Dive straight in. So one, the first thing to say is obviously you can sell with with a proposal, but what we're trying to do when we're in the agency space specifically is we're constantly trying to find ways to differentiate ourselves because it's quite a, a busy market. It's quite saturated, and if you think about the way you're currently selling, most agencies are currently selling is they are basically selling based on proposals mm. and there's a few massive issues with that first thing is that clients tend to ask for proposals very very soon and they don't right. give that much space for a really good discovery process right okay and uh, if you think about what agencies are paid for we're really paid for solving a problem right that's right. that's kind of why we exist we don't we're not paid even though we think we are we're not paid to sell services we're paid to solve a problem and it's very, very hard for us to understand what problem we're solving without a good discovery process. And my thinking came onto this because I spent many, many years building massive, massive proposals for clients, spending hours doing it. And um, frankly, some of them didn't get looked at and some of them just missed the mark completely because we'd missed this discovery process in the, in the meantime. And I don't know about you, Sam, but the more you get into this discovery part and discovering the real problem of a, of a client, you realize that actually the sale is all about them. It's not about you at all. And if you're selling something to do with your client and to do with their problems, you don't really need a proposal to, to show them uh, where, where their problem is and where it needs fixing. You just need to really speak to them through that problem and explain to you how you're gonna solve it for them. So are we saying the discovery process which is often pretty early in the sales cycle, so perhaps even the first call, if you've had a lead, whether that's come inbound or you've generated it outbound through calls or emails, whatever, where we're actually talking to the prospect, taking time to, I guess, understand their business, their current situation, their mm -hmm. desires, their problems, their pain points, their goals, those kind of things. Yeah, That process itself is more important than actually sending a proposal document or quote doc or whatever it may be. That's exactly that's exactly it. And that is the sales process. So so the discovery process, instead of it being a nice small pit at the front, uh, let me just get to know you a bit better. Mm. That is the sales process. Um, and okay. as an agency, I'm sure you have this, right? You're, you guys um, are a very well-established agency. And I'm sure you know, as much as you may tailor your services a little bit to uh, each client, you have a pretty good system, right? Where you know how you're going to help get your client's results fairly regularly and if, i'm guessing i'm assuming by the way that that system 
is fairly solid. You don't change it too much from client to client. Am I on the right lines or? Yeah, sure. I mean, for so most of our work will come inbound in, in our case. And mm-hmm. whether that's through the website or through LinkedIn or another channel, there's typically a, like you say, a discovery phone call process, Zoom call, where we'll we'll have a, depending on the project, we'll have a set yeah. few questions. We need to understand their world and where they need to get to exactly. And what about your actual delivery when you're actually delivering for clients? In terms of, yeah, so in like, terms of actually d- doing a project, whether that's a website or an SEO campaign and something like yeah. that. You'll have, exactly. so you'll, you'll probably have an established system because you know that works, right? Exactly. So um, someone told us a long time ago, I don't know who told us this, this is massive fallacy, that the more high um, level a, a client, the, more, the higher amount a client pays, the more high ticket, to use a, a horrible marketing or sales word, a project is, the more bespoke our system has to be, the more bespoke our solution has to be. Actually, when, when clients are paying you high amounts of money, they're, mm. pay, they're, they're buying a system which has been tried and tested thousands of times and they can guarantee to work. So it's not that you have to go and spend loads of time finding out and building a proposal which is completely bespoke to that person. As an agency, you should have your system, your way right. of creating results. And your job in the sales process is to align with what the client wants, where they want to be, six months' time, 12 months' time, could be 90 days' time, whatever your service is, and to make sure in that process that your system is going to help them get there. Gotcha. Okay. So it sounds like more more of a case of understanding this this prospective client's needs, wants, desires is yeah. is quite a, quite a key key point to this because like you said, chances are for running a business, we've already got a process to actually deliver the product or the service or whatever yeah. it is we do on the basis we have got a good product, which if you're in business, you should do. So yeah. with that said, how do we tackle the question that probably comes up a heck of a lot for me mm. and I imagine most people that are selling, whether they're business owners, entrepreneurs, whatever it may be, one of the first things they'll say is when they get on the phone to you, perhaps they drop you a message or email, can you send me a proposal? Can you mm. send me a quote? How do we how do we actually handle that? It's a great question. I mean, um, what well, tell you what you shouldn't do is is send a proposal, right? Because based on what we've just said before, like how can you know what that client really wants and and where they want to get to and 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 frankly, uh, what their key problems are at the moment? You probably can't. So um, that's that's generally a red flag if someone's going to come and say to you, "Can you just send me a proposal?" Um, and you'd need to try and push back and say, "Sure, we're very, very happy to send you a proposal eventually, but we'd love to spend some time with you and get to know you a bit better first. Hmm. Now, uh, the way we look at this is kind of three types of prospects or three types of client in out there in in the ether, Sam. Okay, you've got unaware clients, um, you've got problem aware, and you've got solution aware. Now, unaware prospects. You don't really want to bother with them because, just frankly, they haven't got a problem at all. They're very, very happy. Everything's dandy with them. Problem-aware and solution-aware, they both have a problem, right? So problem-aware clients, they can feel that things aren't working. So in your case, maybe it's their website's not working or maybe they're just not ranking high enough on Google. Um, But they don't know what to do about it, right? They haven't decided what to do. They can see the problem. They haven't decided what to do. Solution-aware clients have said... um, this is the problem and the solution is to go and find an agency to fix it for us. And what that means is they're shopping. Now, when clients start shopping, basically it means they're gonna get in touch with a few agencies. They might run a formalized RFP process or they might just do it informally and just ask people for proposals. So if someone just comes out of the blue and asks you for a proposal, 
you better believe you're not going to be the only agency they've asked for a proposal in the first place. And generally speaking, when you've got a few agencies competing against each other in that sort of situation, th this decision is made based on price, right? Generally speaking. And we call this commoditization. This is turning an agency service. I mean, if you're selling a pen, for example, this is a commodity. I can compare this to loads of other different types of pen. It does the same thing. Sure. Agencies, it's very unfair to commoditize agency services because they're very nuanced, right? And there's loads of variables inside. So ideally, you want to stay away from those solution-aware clients who are just shopping um, for lots of different agencies. Okay. And before we dive into this a bit deeper, Oliver, are there any... So you said there's three types of potential clients, unaware, problem-aware, solution-aware. Yeah. Are there any telltale signs to identify each one? So I guess we can make best use of our time and also the prospective customers' times to see if they're going to be a fit or not. Yeah, so exactly what you said. So when you ask me, when people ask you for a proposal straight away, that's going to be a solution-aware client because they want to create right. a situation where they have five or three agency proposals in front of them. They can compare them. They can treat them like commodities and they can just choose their best based on their, probably on their budget, I would say. A mm. problem-aware client is going to be someone who um, you connect with through your marketing, which is why, by the way, uh, your marketing better be around the problems your clients have and, and problem-focused, pain point-focused. Um, but they're going to be more interested in you talking about their problem um, their current situation and where they want to get to. And there's this great phrase that a, a mentor of mine told me years ago, but they, he said, if you can articulate your client's problems better than they can, they will automatically assume you can solve them for them. You can solve it for them. And so it's really important that you understand exactly where um, you've spoken to a lot of clients, you understand what their pain points feel like, what their problems feel like, and you're able to articulate the impact that's having on their business. And if the client you're speaking to or the prospect you're speaking to doesn't immediately know or can't really see the impact that that problem is having on their business and you're educating them on it, then it's the sign that you're speaking to a really good problem-aware client that isn't shopping. Gotcha. So does this come down to or does it link back to the discovery process <clears throat> then in terms of actually, I guess, taking the time to ask the right questions and perhaps you can help anyone tuning in Oliver with some some of your juiciest questions I guess that comes to when it comes to discovery some of the key things that you need to establish early doors early on in the sales conversation so ultimately we can find out which one of the three of these types of clients we're dealing with whether they're going to be a fit good fit for our, our company and um, whether they've got a problem that's big enough that they actually want to get it solved and if it's something we're going to be able to help them out with. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things we look at when we're prospecting and we're speaking to prospects early on, and this is what we teach our agency clients as well, is looking for five-star prospects. Um, and basically that means people who are friendly and cooperative, um, a solution-aware client or someone who's, who's just going to ask you for a proposal straight away, they won't be friendly and cooperative. They'll be saying, just send me a proposal. That's not friendly right. and it's not cooperative, right? So they need to be friendly and cooperative. They need to know what they want. They need to know when they want it. They need to be able to be happy to in, um, enter a dialogue with you and they need to be happy to accept your help, right? So those are five things you're looking for in a five-star prospect. Really important point in when it comes to prospecting, don't try and create five-star prospects. Find them. 
You need to okay. find those people. And if you look at that, that framework of those five, those five things you're looking for in a, in a prospect, um, and you will find them if you're doing enough um, sort of authority marketing and legion activity, you'll find them. Then the sales process is going to be super simple, super easy. Red flag is, is this, you know, people turn up at a meeting and they've got that pitch me face, right? That face where it's like, I'm not going to tell you anything about me or my business. Just show me why we should even be talking to you right now. That's pitch me face. And the best thing that's going to happen when you speak to someone like that and you go through a process with someone like that is you're going to get uh, negotiated down massively and you're going to end up doing a project with average results for no money, right? And this is ultimately why we need to work with problem aware clients because those people are much more likely to um, pay us better and actually work with us better. Um, that didn't exactly answer your question. Though. What was your question? It was about what questions we should ask, right? Yeah. So that, I mean, that was, that was good for some context, but it was also mm -hmm. for, for anyone that I suppose wants to run a killer discovery. And we've, we've yeah. had episodes in the past on discovery course. We don't need to spend hours and hours on it, but some of your most useful favorite key questions that you like to ask on these initial sales discovery calls that ultimately bring up the useful information from our prospects so we can quickly determine are they a problem aware pro client are, yeah. do they have an issue we can solve are they actually someone we want to be doing business with and just some of the key things that you like to ask to get that intel okay so first two questions when someone comes onto a discovery call uh may feel cringy asking this um but bear with me um why now and why us so okay. when you start the call, why now and why us? Those two questions are going to be really, really good. So first of all, a five-star prospect is not going to answer those questions well. Um, they're not going to want to go with your with on along your path with that. But if it is a five-star prospect, why now and why us? You're going to get some good information there. You're going to get information about they have a problem that, and not only they have a problem, they have a problem that they need solving now, right? The why us question is going to be great because you're going to get insight into uh, first of all, what, if, what parts of your marketing is working really well? They'll say things like, well, you know, I've been following you on LinkedIn for a while, or um, I saw that ad, or you just popped up on Google. Good insight there. But they're okay. also going to start telling you what they like about your approach and what they like about the way you are going about this process. So why now and why us? Amazing discovery call questions. <clears throat> Generally speaking, if you want to run a free-flowing discovery, there are four levels you need to go through. One is you need to go through facts. People often miss the facts part. They go straight into problems, but without establishing the facts, we can't um, work out what the problems are. So from an SEO point of view, you want to know from where the website is getting most of their traffic from first, right? Before we dive into, we're not getting any traffic, let's understand where the traffic's coming from. So facts, then problems, then impacts, what, are those, what impacts are those problems having, and then the causes. And if you have all that information, um, you've got a pretty good understanding of where the problem are, problem is. But in a discovery call, we we work on a process called gap selling. You heard of gap selling? Yep. We've had Keenan on the show actually a well, oh my God, a year a or so ago. Yeah. Absolute legend, Keenan. Um, so yeah, um, I've, I've definitely drunk Keenan's Kool-Aid for sure. And um, the idea here is to establish where they want to get to, right? So okay. in a discovery call, it's not just about doom and gloom. It's about ideally, if, if we were to work together and we were to get you some amazing results, where do you want to be in six months? Where do you want to be in 12 months? And really, actually, we want to establish that gap and reinforce that gap and actually stretch that gap in every sales interaction, whether it's in DMs, whether it's in discovery call, whether it's in the sales call, we're always anchoring this gap and going back to it.
And just to be completely clear, Sam, like we're not stretching the gap and promising ridiculous results for no reason. <laughs> we're doing this in a way where we find people who we can definitely get them there. And we're just reminding them that that's where we're going quite a lot of the time. Gotcha. So it sounds like some of these questions are helping us understand the current state of this prospective customer, where they are right now, and their yeah. desired future state, i.e. where do they want to get to? Where do we need to get you to, to basically be really happy with the results and get the desired revenue goals you've got or whatever whatever their hopes and dreams are? Yeah. Um, a lot of this is, for lack of a better term, information gathering based. Mm-hmm. Do at what stage, and you might be working towards this, Oliver, so at what stage do we present our product or solution if we yeah. think it's going to actually help them instead of doing the dreaded, I don't know, go back to your desk, write up a proposal for five days and then realize mm-hmm. that the prospects only flick to the pricing page of the 50-page proposal document anyway? Yeah, this is a great one. So the first thing is if you were to do a proposal it should be basically the same for every client, right? Because we shouldn't be in, a, in this position, maybe with the exception of creative agencies um, or um, design agencies that need to show illustrations of what design they're going to be creating. Generally mm. speaking, your, your proposal is going to be process-based, right? It's going to be about how you're going to achieve those results. Well, do we really need slides um, to show them that or can we talk them through it um, fairly straightforwardly? And one of the things we're, we're very keen in avoiding in a sales position is pushback, right? I don't know. Right. So let me ask you, have you ever had pushback when you've been in a pitch situation? I get pushback in most situations. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the interesting thing about pushback. You can't get pushback unless you've pushed first, right? It's just, that's just the nature of it. So what we want to do is we want actually to be pulled through the sales process by the prospect. And, and the way we do that is by asking them um, quite regularly, once we've established a really good gap, and this is probably in the second, in the second uh, uh, call. So I would have a very short discovery call. I wouldn't go that right. deep into it. I would, okay. be, I would make sure I'm qualifying in that discovery call. Then I take okay. the discovery process into the first half of the sales call. Okay. Right. So on the, on, the, on the discovery call, the first call, we call it a triage call, um, we would be basically saying, establish a gap, and can we help this person? Are they a good prospect? If we say yes, tick, great. We can do that in 10 minutes, by the way. We take our discovery process and we do the proper gap stretching in the, in the first half of the second call, okay? So in that sales call, which is when they need to be um, excited about working with you, before you go into telling them what you're going to do, you've just spent half an hour to 40 minutes stretching a gap and basically explaining where they're going to get to, right? And then at that point, strategically asking, okay, cool. So where do you think we should go from here is a really good right. way to start you start that process. And then what you're going to get is questions like, um, well, you might say, they might say something like, well, I'm hoping you'd say that. Or they might say something, well, you know, how does this all work? Great question to have, right? Like, how does this all work? They're inviting you to tell you, to tell them how, how you're going to work with them, in which case you're being pulled through, you're not being pushed back. And when you're in that, that flow, and please, at this point, resist the urge to say, right, let me get my deck out. Yeah. Um, you don't have to do that. You can break your offer into really, really small, manageable pieces. Okay, So a good, a, a really simple way of doing that would be um, the problems we're solving, recapping the problems we're solving, 
and therefore top line solutions. And after you've done that, I would probably ask again, where do you think we should go from here? At which point you can talk about the promise that you're going to make. So this is our guarantee around where we're going to get you there. And I'm from a coaching background as well. So we like models and we like, at that point we show them the model of how we work, right? So for example, this thing behind me, right? We might show them that at that point. Where do you think we should go from here? Well, there's a couple of things you haven't talked about then, logistics, how it works, timing and price. Now, you don't need slides to do that. You can talk someone through that. But here's a really, really important thing to understand, Sam. If you are of a cold lead or of a new, completely new business, if you're trying to sell something massive, like a big campaign, no proposal selling won't work. It's just too much of a risk. The way this works is to sell something um, quite small, what we call an intro offer or a no-brainer offer. So yep. people can, so for the client, it's like, I understand your process. I understand I'm sold on, on how you're going to get me there. And actually, this first step that I need to take today right now is pretty risk-free. It's not massively expensive. I can see how it's going to be useful to me. It might be a workshop. It might be a paid audit. It might be like a, a very, like a one, a 30 day sprint or a 90 day sprint, something small. And they're able just to say, you know what, I'm ready to make that first step. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's something we do as well on, on larger scale projects, like a paid assessment or a scoping call, Amazing. depending on kind of larger scale web projects. So it's, it's something that's really useful, right? Like I love that strategy because there are, and it's something from my experience, I don't know if you're the same, Oliver, and this is just me riffing off here, but it's something that you kind of feel. So once you've been doing this for a while, like in, for, for us, for example, we've got, I don't know, products from a grand to 50K plus. So mm -hmm. some products on the lower end, you might be able to do a good discovery and get deals moving fairly quick, um, especially if a prospect's been following my content or knows our company sure. well. Yeah, They've got yeah. brand affinity with us, so they might be ready to do business pretty quick. However... If it's a larger scale project, typically it's not just one decision maker involved. There's probably five or six decision makers. Maybe that's the VP of sales, maybe VP of marketing. Maybe you've got a chief intelligence officer, chief technology officer. Maybe you've got finance involved. So for those kind of larger, bigger, meatier deals where you've got a lot of decision makers, a lot of cogs in the, a lot of cogs and wheels turning, these kind of pay, paid audits are not only good because it saves you messing around building a proposal for free. It gets your foot in the door and it mm -hmm. also gives them a taste of what it's like working with you, builds up that relationship, that confidence, the, um, the stability that you can deliver that small thingy. Yeah. And, and as Sandler calls it, a monkey paw, getting your foot in the door and then <laughs> exactly. uh, working your exactly. way in. With 60 to 70% of their inbound demo requests never making it to a book meeting, Brian Schuler, ABM and Marketing's Operation Manager at SAS Optics knew a change was needed. Their inbound scheduling process required sales development reps to go back and forth with prospects to qualify and schedule a meeting before they ever spoke to an account executive. Brian implemented Chili Piper's concierge solution, allowing inbound prospects to book a meeting time in the correct account exec's calendar immediately after filling in a demo request form. Behind the scenes, Chili Piper qualified the lead, routed it to the correct account exec, and booked the meeting in their calendar. Since implementing Chili Piper, they've seen a booked rate on inbound demo requests increase from 40% 
to 90%, meaning four times more sales meetings and double the amount of inbound pipeline per month. Book your free customized demo today at chilipiper.com. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-I-P-E-R.com. Are you tired of competitors stealing your traffic, leads, and sales all because they're higher on Google? Maybe you're investing in paid ads but want to enjoy the benefits of organic SEO, meaning free traffic and inbound customers and not having to pay Google for every single click. Or perhaps you're running SEO and ads, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Any of this sound familiar? Let the team at WebChoice fix that for you. Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. So, so this is actually where we, why we came up with the intro offer because we, um, we were spending a lot of time um, working with big international companies like Volvo, for example. And what happened um, post 2008, I'm going back a while now, yep. is procurement departments got really big. And right. not only did they get really big, but they got super involved, man. And it was hard to get anything through. Now, what... Well, this wasn't just frustrating to us. This was frustrating to our clients who were the project managers. What we realized was if every procurement department had a threshold and if the project was over 7,000 euros or 10,000 euros, then it had to go through the procurement process. But not only that, it had to go through a pitch of three agencies and blah, blah, blah. So what we did was we started dividing projects up into sub 10,000 euros and and what we realized was what we could do to start every project was we could create this intro offer, this starter offer, which went under the procurement department, meant we started off. And when the bigger project happened and there were other agencies involved, we were always going to win it because we were already basically doing the project. That was the first time that started. And we realized actually, no, hold on. This is a, a genius thing that we can take to any client because it reduces that risk. And this thing is some, um, not okay so it's risk for a new business is risk for a client in terms of finances do we trust this agency well i am i going to give them 20 grand a month because i've just started with them probably not right but there's also risk for the agency what if the client is an absolute nightmare what yep. if they just don't pay you on time what if they're horrible to deal with well for that reason start with a small chunk with an intro offer and then you can decide afterwards if, if they're worth the, the trouble or not yeah it's it's definitely a great tool for like you say, getting your foot in the door, realizing if you if you're a good good match to work together, and yeah. building up that trust. But so linking it to no proposal selling, um, it's that's a key ingredient because if you're trying to sell five uh, k retainers or ten k retainers without a proposal, you're going to struggle. What you might do is sell it after an intro offer, but the intro offer is your way of basically starting working with someone without them even realizing they've made a decision to start working with you. Yeah. yeah yeah let's let's look at another angle so i use myself as an example yeah so like i say for these bigger projects initially i was really apprehensive almost a little bit nervous of actually asking for people's money because i'm so years ago i was so used to just blindly saying yeah we'll do your quote you'll we'll do your proposal no problem it might take me hours and hours to put together and then it's the classic you email across the proposal document ask how things are going maybe you send a, a follow-up email yeah literally crickets yeah. nothing nothing back 
yeah. maybe you hear from them a month later oh we went with our existing company <laughs> or we went yeah. with another vendor and that that's the end of that whereas like you say this um this strategy is is something that can be utilized well for certain businesses especially but how do you how did you build up i guess the confidence really just to say look this is our this is our introductory offer we're actually doing a paid order a paid assessment or whatever that is um it does involve a a small financial investment any recommendations for people that are listening thinking that that sounds really good i'm just not sure how i can actually deliver it or ask for it yeah so if you're not if you're thinking that it means that you don't believe that you can deliver a, a workshop or an audit which is actually valuable so the first the, the transformation that needs to happen internally and you need to you need to believe and you need to think like a consultant you need to believe that you can spend two hours with someone in a workshop environment or spend five hours on an audit and actually deliver something that your client thinks that was incredibly valuable um it's an internal thing one of the one of the things um i'm not sure if you if you follow the wow company but they do they did um they release a bench press report agency report every year um this year uh one of the things that came out was that consultants um consultancies always outperform agencies in terms of profitability and one of the key reasons why is because they think about solving problems and not selling services. Now, when you take a problem-solving mindset, products like workshops or audits become really, really valuable. And they become a higher perceived value because you're giving your customer clarity on exactly where they need to go and the problems they need to solve. So if you're sitting there thinking, I can't ask someone for, for money for a workshop, spend the day and deliver and design a killer workshop and um you won't have that problem anymore um and if you need a workshop actually i can give you one if you need a workshop structure get in touch with me on linkedin and i'll just give you hours because it works with it's pre-transferable cool so we talked quite a bit about prospects that are problem aware yeah for we talked about a bit earlier when we're mentioning best practices for discovery calls now for people on the other end of the spectrum that are solution aware and that might mention earlier early in the call we want a quote we want a proposal we're speaking to a few other agencies they might have not even say that but like you say the chances are if they're asking for something like that straight away they probably are comparing two or three maybe more companies um, or maybe we're even in a sales call with them face to face or over zoom and straight away they're demanding send me a proposal i want to know more about your company why why are you guys so great they're quite upfront, quite pushy are these prospects that we should just disregard straight away and just say, look, don't think we're going to be the best match? Or is there a way that we can try and, should we still try and work around it, Oliver? Are there specific ways to deal with these prospects and can we still get them on side? Could they still be a fit for our company? Uh, they could be. I mean, pr practicality is massively underrated in, in business and, and also in agency world. So the real answer here is that you should follow the same sales process for every prospect. So if a prospect is trying to push you out of your sales process, you should say, look, this is our process, take it or leave it. Now, here's where practicality comes in. If your marketing is not on point and you haven't got enough leads coming into the business, you're going to have to be more flexible and you're going to have to bend more to your whatever the prospect says. And if they demand a proposal and you haven't got another 10 leads waiting for you, then probably you're going to have to play their way. So the real answer to this question is you need to be hot on your marketing, making sure you're building authority around your agency brand and your personal brand. 
so that you've got a nice stream of leads coming into your business so that when a prospect is demanding you give them a proposal and it's not part of your process, you can just say, I'm really sorry, but that's not how we work and um, the best of luck in the future. If you don't have that queue or that pipeline, then obviously, practically, you're going to have to play their game, right? As the old saying saying goes, uh, a healthy pipeline full of qualified prospects cures most business and sales problems. So, yeah, yeah. if not all, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. it's one of one of those you've got to learn the hard way. Um, yeah, so that that makes perfect sense. In terms of, so you mentioned earlier, and I appreciate this is going to vary a lot depending on the company, depending on the solution they sell, the average deal size, and their sales process. But you mentioned that the discovery should be on the first call, and then the second call is more of a chat through of I guess a recap of that discovery and how your product or service fits into that and then kind of sharing how it's going to fix their pain points and the pricing and next steps should that always be a second call should it ever be on the first call all in one uh, I would never do a first call in one um, so, so the first call is I, I honestly it's more for you right so you want to on that first call you want to just make sure before you dedicate an hour of your time with someone in a sales call you want to just make sure that this person is a five-star prospect and is ready to buy from you. Um, so that's really what that's about. One of the other questions we ask in that first call, that triage call, Sam, is um, is this a later thing or is this a sooner thing? Basically, we're, we're gauging how urgent this is for them right now. Because again, we don't want to spend an hour with someone if it's not really urgent and on their agenda. Right. So the first call, look at it more as... Um, making sure that they are a perfect prospect for you, making sure they're ready to buy pretty soon. And then, and also discovering what their key problems are. They should be looking at at least three key problems that you can solve. And then in the, in the second call, the sales call, accelerator session, breakthrough session, small tip, by the way, name your calls. Don't, don't call them strategy sessions or whatever else, because that doesn't sound that interesting. You can name your calls. Um, yeah, on that call, make sure you spend at least half an hour stretching the gap for them so they feel like they are in a, in a place where they can reach those goals. And a small tip on that as well, if when you stretch the gap in terms of gap selling, you've got to do where you are now and you've got to do where you want to be. One thing um, is quite interesting is if you switch those things around, I learned this from uh, one of our coaches, is if you go problems first and then you go to where you are now, where you want to be, um, what happens is, they'll spend the, the whole, the rest of the call just working out how they can get out of the problems they're in. And their vision for where they can go is quite limited. It's just about how they can get out problems. If you go and start with, where do you want to be first? Right. They'll have much more vision. They won't be anchored in that problem mindset. They'll be much more bold in where they want to get to. And then you can go down into where they are now. And the, the gap is literally bigger, right? The gap will lit, that you can stretch will literally be bigger. So if you're going to do it that way, I would suggest going for the results they want first and then going back to the problems and comparing that. Really important to get specificity as well. Like, so, for example, if you're talking about website visitors, how many organic website visitors do you want every month? Um, I don't know, 100,000. Okay, how many have you got now? 15,000. Okay, so you've, got, you've not just got the gap, you've got a specific 85,000 organic visitors gap. That's a really important thing to get as well. Cool. So... And that's useful. And to, to wrap things up in terms of, so propose, so I suppose this is quite different because this is almost like live selling, right? Because you're doing everything on the, on the, across the two calls or however many mm -hmm. calls you have in your process discovery and then recapping, stretching the gap and then 
presenting how your solution is going to fix these problems, bring their desired result where they actually want to get to. One thing I like to ask all kinds of um, consultants and people that come on the show that share ideas is, what is the best way, in your opinion, Oliver, to ask for the business? Because there's nothing worse than kind of doing one of these calls or presentations and then someone still says at the end, that all sounds great, but can you just detail it in an email and I'll get back to you? Um, what is your best practice for actually asking for the business, asking for the order? Do you mean at the end of the sales call or do you mean asking for the sales call itself? No, I mean actually asking for the business itself. So let's say we've we've had a great fit prospect. We've run a killer discovery. We've done everything on the second call in okay. terms of presenting how we're going to get the job done. What? How, how do we close it off? How do we How do we bring it in? Okay, so um, first thing is if you're getting objections, so this is what ha- so what often happens is at this time is um, is you if you're getting that that point of um, let me just think about it, it means there's objections there, but it means they're not telling you. So the first point of handling objections is to find out what the objections are. So if you get that question, if you get that statement saying, look, I just need to think about it, let me think about it. If you can send me an email, a good question to ask at that point would be, I'm really curious. Um, what would make this, uh, this deal an absolute no brainer for you? Um, what, what, what would make this, uh, our agency, um, an absolute no brainer for you to go ahead and you'll get them talking about either areas that maybe you haven't quite hit or things they're not that happy about. Okay. And then you can start addressing those objections. A quick tip when it comes to objections, what tends to happen when people have objections is we tend to play objection tennis. So someone will hit an objection over to you, you'll hit back an objection um counter objection thing then they'll hit back an objection one of the best things to do when you get objections is to just ask them to explain more um ask them to go into that bit deeper and what you'll find is a lot of the time when people uh, when you ask them to explain their objection more is they start to almost talk themselves out of it a little bit so don't play objection tennis but no i would say in that point um sam um don't ask for the business but just say what would make this a no-brainer for you and just see what they say Final thing on that, don't think you have to close everyone on the call. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there are loads of um, sales trainers that say you absolutely must get their money and credit card on the call. I just think there are some people that need to, that do need time to think about it. And you also have a, and if they want to pay on the call, take the card. But like then there are probably some people out there that just need some space and that's okay. doesn't mean you've lost a deal. Nice one. That's a good way to, to wrap things up, Oliver. So with that, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show, sir. Really enjoyed the chat. Thanks so much. Um, I enjoyed it too. Yeah, no worries. And with that, please do share more about how everyone tuning in can connect with you, learn from yourself and anything you want to share with our audience. Cool. So yeah, I mean, look, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. Hit me up, Oliver Duffy Lee. If you're an agency owner stuck under 20K and you want to grow a bit faster and you want to just chat to me about how to do it, um, click the link on in the show notes uh, or just send me a DM on LinkedIn and I would love to connect with you. Thank you very much, sir. And with that, if you enjoyed today's show as always uh, a quick rating on your podcast channel or subscribe on youtube is always appreciated and we shall catch you on the next episode cheers see ya